Well, hey, it is two o'clock. It's the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio.fm and .sf. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I'm here with Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. Welcome to She's the actually Thunderdome. She's two, actually here. Yeah, two women want Cohen, and we both stay in. That's a line from Mad Max. Oh, right. <laughs> two women enter. One man leaves. <laughs> is it that? Is that? Yeah, it's actually two women make a man. Is that two, how? Two men enter, one man leaves. But I tried to change yeah. it. And I fucked it up. No, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, the world is falling apart again. Yeah. Yeah. We were just discussing about the uh, the cases are mildly going up again of uh, COVID, and then now we have the Delta. The Delta. Yeah, which is even more dangerous than COVID-19. Right. And uh, San Francisco still at, we have 556 deaths, but there was a spike in cases uh, on the 19th. So it's just... And that's we, after, that's, I'm sorry. That's oh, no, go ahead. Memorial Day. Oh, after. Fourth of July. And people are, well, that thing is, everything's open and people aren't wearing masks and like people are making out in the street and like, I mean, all kinds of crazy things are happening. And people still believe not to wear a mask and get vaccinated or tested, all those things. So yeah. we still have that. Yeah, it's, uh, well, so I, we found a, a, a news thing here in the SF gate from today that uh, there's 500 bars in San Francisco, a group of 500 bars, San Francisco bars deciding whether to require proof of vaccination before entry. I'm down with it. I, I would either say, show me. I mean, show me your test that's clean, that's within. But, I mean, who even knows? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I I just don't don't go inside. So it says, due to a surge in COVID-19 cases driven by the highly contagious Delta variant, a group of more than 500 San Francisco bar owners is considering whether to require vaccination cards for entry at their member, member bars across the city, just as new mask recommendations have arrived in the Bay Area. Moving to check vaccinations at entry bars to bars in San Francisco, uh, the San Francisco Bar Alliance would be done on a volunteer basis. But Ben Bierman, the head of the San Francisco Bar Owner Alliance, said the alliance may issue a statement from the 500-member group recommending only patrons who are vaccinated would be allowed in, a move that would include accompanying signage outside of the participating bars. Quote, I didn't know anybody who was requiring vaccination cards at first, only the most strict people, Bierman said. Just in the last 24 hours, I've seen a lot of people changing their tunes, so I think we're in the middle of a big flux. Although the alliance won't likely make a formal decision until next week at the earliest, some members of the alliance are already starting to take part. Vesuvio Cafe in North Beach made the decision Tuesday to require proof of vaccination before entry, said owner Janet Clyde. Hey, that makes sense because Vesuvio is in. North Beach, it's highly trafficked by lots and lots of tourists. Yes, yeah. So I think that this is this is for the safety of San Franciscans. Like, we've done a really good job of only having 556 deaths in the city over the entire time. Right. But people are coming. We're a we're tourist city. Yeah, we are a tourist city. And the thing is, and I got to give props to uh, the mayor, London Breed, on that, the way that she did handle, you know, COVID, what have you. I have my other side-eye issues, but... I, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, like, we've always been pretty good, even at the height of it last year. And yeah. so with now with the scary variant, the Delta variant, which is quite scary because 
it is hitting it's it's hitting a younger demographic people under mm. the age of 50 or, or, or under age the 60 so it's not it's not just older people that is targeting and then right. with the delta you know it's even more dangerous so the fact that uh the bars want to do this i'm all for it. especially yeah. that area of north which is yeah, always absolutely. crowded yeah and it's i mean i'm telling you people flying on planes i can't believe people are still traveling and i it's it's mind-blowing to me uh los angeles county has had 24,603 deaths so that's a lot more than our 558 but so actually so it just went up no that's 556 i'm sorry i'm blind LA is much bigger. Yeah, LA is much bigger. Bigger cesspool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, back to owner Janet Clyde. She said, "We we just started because it's clear that there's a segment of the population that is not vaccinated." Clyde said, "And it really, until this settles down, I think it's safer for our staff and clientele that we limit the indoors to people who have proof of vaccination. Customers are required to show a photo or QR code showing." proof of vaccination before entering Vesuvio. Clyde said she's looking to take a proactive stance on requiring vaccination for patrons rather than waiting for government mask mandates. Citing the mask requirements in Los Angeles, Clyde said it was important to get ahead of it and that people will be understanding. We've had a couple of employees who've tested positive. We want to protect our staff, and I think we really can't wait for local government to develop general guidelines at this point, said Clyde, who notes both cases were breakthrough COVID cases. I mean, this is a situation that's happening now. Bierman is most likely making the change with his own bars as well, he said, which include teeth, tonic, and soda Popinski's. If you know 50, 100, 200 bars want to put up a sign that says you must be vaccinated to enter, I think that'll be impactful, Bierman said. Bierman said he's heard similar stories about breakthrough cases happening at other bars in San Francisco. He echoed Clyde's assertion that bar owners should be getting ahead of any potential service surges to protect staff and business. I think getting out ahead of it would be really smart, and I think our survival will be based on people feeling safe in our establishment, Bierman said. And if we can put a line in the sand, and again, we as an alliance haven't done this yet, but I think there's potential if we put a line in the sand for getting out ahead of this and for our customers feeling safer, meaning that we are back to normal faster since we're clearly not normal yet. I agree with that, too. Yeah. We're not. Everybody, all of a sudden, they're like, masks off. Everything's fine. Yeah. Everybody I, inside. It's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I even noticed that last week when I, uh, where was I at? I think I was at, I was at a bar and I got. I got a little too comfortable and I had to check myself and put my mask back on hmm. because I saw everyone, you know, unmasked and then thinking, you know, I'm vaccinated and already I'm already getting too comfortable and I had to check myself. And so the fact of the matter, it's just like, even if you are vaccinated, you can still get this. You can still carry you, it. Yeah. And here's the thing, you know, you may not die from it if you're vaccinated. Nothing is 100 percent, ladies and gentlemen, though. Let's just say that. But. What I've heard is, you know, it's not it, people have had ended up having like lung issues and what have it, you. And it lasts forever. We yeah. don't know what the long term effects are going like to be of people that got it. Long term effects. That's what I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And the Delta. Oh my God. Delta. Um, Delta Burke. I think that the San Francisco government is still hoping our vaccination rates are going to hold up, but we anecdotally are seeing a lot of people come down with mild to medium cases of COVID. Beerman said. I kind of see a writing on the wall and think we have to get out ahead of it. And it's not like we're shutting anything down or anything. We're just saying you've got to have a vaccine. 
I also think that for some reason the government everywhere, from the feds to the state to the locals, have been so nice to people who won't get vaccines. And I think that needs to stop, Beerman continued. We need to start playing hardball with them. They're a bunch of a-holes, and you can quote me on that. And I'm not talking about the people who can't get the vaccine. I'm talking about people who can and choose not to. They're selfish and they're ignorant and they're putting us all in jeopardy and making it harder for us all to recover from this. And we need to stop treating them like they just don't have the right information. The information is right there and it doesn't lie. And they need to stop thinking that they know more than the scientific experts. All right, man. Bravo. You yeah. can quote me on that. Yeah, he's like, they're a bunch of assholes. Because, and here's, you know what's going to happen? I can hear it now with the, the right, wing, right wing, sorry, slip 40 and slip. <laughs> uh, they're going to say, this is segregation. This is, and, and here's, here's something else they're going to start throwing out. It's our body, our choice. Sounds familiar. Oh. They're already starting to use that tactic, by the way our body our choice wow. i'm like wait a minute yeah, and they said they minute. want that they don't want the government involved with their bodies and it's just like wait we don't want that either <sighs> here here we go pandemic of the unvaccinated bay area doctor says cases could overwhelm hospitals within four weeks san francisco as the delta variant becomes the dominant strain across the country hospitals are gearing up for what they say is a preventable fourth surge of covid cases this group that we're seeing now absolutely could and should have been prevented. The numbers are more convincing as we are looking at that. This is becoming the pandemic of the unvaccinated, says Dr. Chris Colwell, Chief Emergency Medicine at UCSF S, and, uh, SF General. Um, Dr. Chris Conwell, the chief, of, the chief of emergency room at Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital, says 99% of those hospitalized with COVID-19 are unvaccinated. The concern is that the hospitals will be overwhelmed in the next four to five weeks as infection rates increase. When we see infection rates going up, the rate they are going up now, it means hospitalizations are coming next. So we're already seeing an increase in hospitalizations now and the risk, the rate of infections is going up and we know these numbers will only increase over the next several weeks, said Dr. Colwell, adding, San Francisco is well positioned to manage this, but the current rate, the current rate of rise is alarming. As the Delta variant takes hold, accounting for 83% of COVID cases nationwide, nearly 50% in California, the zip codes with the lowest vaccination numbers are the focus. We embedded ourselves in San Francisco's Latino task force outreach team as they walked around the Bayview, informing the community about the COVID-19 vaccine. We're talking about the vaccine information. In this paper, we have the information for vaccine and COVID test, said Sonia Albarenga, an ITF community outreach member. The LTF team went door to door offering vaccination at home or at their nearby site. That's amazing. I think that's great. If that is not white privilege like a motherfucker. Well, no, but this is this is no, but this is Latino task force. So oh, it's this going. Latino, okay, yeah, this is in good. the Bayview. I think it's Wait, great. That's in my neighborhood. Yeah, oh, isn't that? I mean. I think that's great if there's a community that oh, has, is not informed and offering it in your, that's amazing. I'm so surprised I don't know about this. How dare me? Uh, about 45% people in this vicinity where we are have been vaccinated, which means we have a sizable amount of people that can be vaccinated, said John Jacobo, health committee chair for the Latino task force. Jacobo said some residents are getting vaccinated thanks to their outreach efforts, but the question now is will the spread of delta variant be faster 
what's your projection? The answer from Dr. Chris Colwell, that if we don't change our behavior and that includes keeping up with the mask and the social distancing and getting vaccinated, we're going to see hospitals being more packed and potentially overwhelmed. Dr. Colwell said in some cases, those who are coming in with COVID-19 are now developing stronger symptoms than patients who came in last year. As to when, when people who get COVID, can they get vaccinated? According to the CDC, you should wait 90 days before getting a COVID-19 vaccine. And that lapse of time, depending on the antibodies, could be exposing them to a second round of infection. I see. Wow. So the California vaccine tracker is here. And um, we're at 61% of California that has at least one dose. And there's 53% are fully vaccinated. And that's in California as a, as a whole. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. I'm reading about also, too, um, uh, this is coming out of uh, USA Today, but it's uh, talking about how there's some patients <clears throat> who are begging for the vaccine are when they're already infected. Oh, but, but you can't. It's not right. It's not it's not going to save you. you. It's supposed to prevent. Well, and that's what the doctor said is that you have to wait 90 days because otherwise you have the risk of a second infection getting sick twice. So, wow. And then, uh, Door-to-door vaccines, though, man. I'm down I, with that. I was thinking, I don't know why, I, the, because it's something that you would hear the suburbs do. So I got to kind of like, so that was that was my that my fault. But the fact that that is happening in like my community, which is predominantly black, Latino, and Asian, um, is great. It's just, you know, it's, the, but we know what the, the problem is. It, the problem is the misinformation that is going out there. And we were discussing the fact that you have still like the, just, just this week, Fox News. The decided, Lambda variant? Oh, yeah, there's a new variant after Delta, Lambda. <laughs> yeah. This I'm is sorry, true. but it's too late. Unvaccinated pa- patients beg for shot. Mm-hmm. Here comes the Lambda variant two hours ago. It's like germ war- warfare, I swear to God. It's so, it's, and the thing is, what the doctor said in that previous article that you just read, these, these, could, this could have been prevented if people would have just got vaccinated, wore masks. But all this misinformation that's out there, like I was about to say, Fox News finally this week just said that on Sean Hannity, uh, that, He's begging his viewers to go get vaccinated because they're killing their viewers, literally. Wow. And I believe I got to find the number, but there was a, a, a data of uh, which groups are are having the biggest issues of getting vaccinated. Yeah. And that was mostly. Well, let me let me look that up first before I give. Well, let's look this. There's another thing. This is the. Um COVID-19 cases in U.S. triple over two weeks amid misinformation. Uh, This is from Kansas, Mission, Kansas. COVID-19 cases tripled in the U.S. over two weeks amid an onslaught of vaccine misinformation that is straining hospitals, exhausting doctors, and pushing clergy into the fray. Our staff, they're frustrated, said Chad Nielsen, director of infection prevention at UF Health Jacksonville, a Florida hospital that is canceling elective surgeries and procedures after the number of mostly unvaccinated COVID-19 inpatients in its two campuses jumped up to 134 from a low 16 in mid-May. 
they're tired. They're thinking this is deja vu all over again. And there's some anger because we know that this is a largely preventable situation and that people are not taking advantage of the vaccine. Across the U.S., the seven-day rolling average for daily new cases rose over the past two weeks to more than 37,000 people on Tuesday, up from 13,700 on July 6th, according to data from the Johns Hopkins University. Health officials blame the Delta variant and slowing vaccination rates. Just 56.2% of Americans have gotten at least one dose of the vaccine, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. In Louisiana, health officials reported 5,388 new COVID-19 cases on Wednesday, the third highest daily count since the beginning of the pandemic in early 2020. Hospitalizations for the disease rose to 844 statewide, up more than 600 since mid-June. It's like seeing a car wreck before it happens, said Dr. James Williams, a clinical associate professor of emergency medicine at Texas Tech, who has recently started treating more COVID-19 patients. None of us want to go through this again. He said patients are younger, many in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and overwhelmingly unvaccinated. People Uh were just begging for this, he said, of the vaccine. And remarkably, it was put together within a year, which is just astonishing. People don't even appreciate it. Within a year, we got a vaccine. And now they're thinking, hmm, I don't know if I'll get it. As lead pastor of one of Missouri's largest churches, Jeremy Johnson, has Uh heard the reasons congregants don't want the COVID-19 vaccine. He wants them to know it's only... It's not only okay to get vaccinated, it's what the Bible urges. I think there's a big influence on fear, said Johnson, who wrote Springfield-based church, also has a campus in Nixa and another open... Springfield-based, That's that's my hometown. A fear of trusting something apart from scripture, a fear of trusting something apart from a political party they're comfortable following, a fear of trusting in science. We hear that. I trust in God, not science. But the truth is science and God are not something you have to choose between. Now many churches in southwest Missouri, like Johnson's Assembly of God-affiliated North Point Church, Church, are hosting vaccination clinics. Meanwhile, about 200 church leaders have signed into statements urging Christians to get vaccinated and on Wednesday announced the follow-up public service campaign. Opposition to vaccination is especially strong among white evangelical Protestants who make over one-third of Missouri's residents, according to a 2019 report by the Pew Research Center. We found that the faith community is very influential, very trusted, and to me, that is one of the answers of how to get your vaccine rates up, said Ken McCurr, mayor of Springfield. Uh, so nothing. I guess go go to church and get vaccinated. Oh God, see nothing. Every time Springfield, Missouri is in the news, it's not for anything positive. <laughs> Even Marcus, my significant other, has he's been sending me uh, all these stories like like so uh, to me about Springfield, Missouri, yeah. or Missouri, and it's just so depressing. I actually found the uh, data. Oh, good. Was, um, this is from Forbes magazine. Uh, I believe this was from March of this year. Yeah, March 11 of this year. And so it basically, here are the groups who won't or who don't want a vaccine. And Trump voters are near the top. Surprise, surprise. So this is from March. So right now uh, at the top, uh, 49% Republican men. 47% Trump supporters. Do uh, they think they're immune or something? I'm, I mean, I'm... White supremacy! But I don't I'm just confused because... You know what it was? 
why don't they believe this is, in science? No, it's because the propaganda mill. And then also you have to remember when around this time last year, everyone was thinking, oh, the blacks and browns are getting it. The more poor people are getting you it. Really think, you really know, think that? Yes, yes. Look at, go I back know. to some Racism of Racism is so pervasive get, still. Go back to some of the uh, news articles of last year of 2020 early on. You'll see it. Because you have a lot of these white and evangelicals, like that article is saying, that, oh, it's only happening in those neighborhoods or in that demographic, so we Mm -hmm. don't have to worry about it. Plus, you have, like, Fox News, OAN, Facebook, which has been the the biggest problematic worldwide because of all that misinformation. Right, because you can put anything you want and everybody believes it. Right. And, you know, of course, that is the demographic that is anti-science, anti-climate change. So, Mm. but um, let's see. Oh, here we go. So uh, we were at 47% Trump support, or 49% Republican men, which which we know what who that is. Uh, Trump, uh, 47% Trump supporters, 41% Republicans, uh, 40% white men without a college degree. That's 40%. I said, Uh, 38% white evangelicals, uh, 47 or 37% people under 45. Uh, 37% Latinos, 36% uh, rural Americans, and then uh, 37%, uh, uh, excuse me, 36% Generation Z and Millennials. That would be my stupid generation of Millennials. And then 36% Independent Men. I'm really fascinated by that one. Um, And yeah, that's, that's it. So of course we have the highest. We're not surprised by that. You know, I'm actually surprised of the rural Americans and, uh, well, not rural Americans. Uh, I'm really surprised about li- Latinos, 37%, and independent men, hmm. that 36%. I knew about the generation, uh, the ge- like Generation Z and my generation millennials who are fucking stubborn. Go get your goddamn vaccination. You're gonna die. Well, it's, uh, I mean, they're ev- in, in, in San Francisco, it, there's, everywhere you can get it i mean it's um the vaccine sites are there's so many of there's a hundred free there's 99 vaccine sites everywhere from in in our city everywhere from zuckerberg um kaiser they got one walking distance in my neighborhood mission and 24th cap ucsf um like bayview neighborhood vaccine site Mm -hmm. excelsior like when's the last Lied. time we've, we've we've gotten anything for free out of the medical industry? Right, Maxine <laughs> Maxine Hall everywhere. CVS 99. store, CVS store, CVS store. That's pretty good. I have to like again. Tenderloin neighborhood vaccination site at Larkin Street Youth Services. That's like almost every. That's like three in every neighborhood, yeah. kind of. I mean, because Safeway, Walgreens, um, Sunnydale, Walgreens. Like, there's so many of them. Kaiser probably on the yeah. Wow, I mean, yeah. Knowing that this city is only seven by seven, the fact that we have 99 sites where we can get vaccinated. And there's drop ins. This is great. I didn't even realize how accessible this oh, is. Cool. Zuckerberg has drop in accepted Monday to Friday, 8 to 4 p.m. You can drop in and get your second dose, even if you got your first dose somewhere else. Oh, cool. Second doses of Moderna are available Tuesday only, 8 to 4. Um, yeah, expected vaccines. Uh, Pfizer so like so at Kaiser USF court the court center they have Pfizer Moderna and Johnson Johnson so they have all of them some of them only have Pfizer available 
I had the Vi uh, the Pfizer one. Yeah, I have. To, I think I'm gonna get the Johnson and Johnson one. Oh, you good luck with that girl. <laughs> well, no, that's that's the only one that I think that I won't be allergic to, to be honest. My cousin was down for oh, because that's the one dose. It's the one. It's a one dose, yeah. and um, she was down for like a couple of days, but she didn't. She only got the one dose, so I got Pfizer. Where Pfizer and Moderna are where you get two. But my the thing is, you know, if if it's available, just. Just get it. My my problem is most most of us have been vaccinated with either polio sure. or measles yeah, and mumps yeah. because that was something that even as a child before we had to go to school, start school, yeah. we had to get vaccinated. Of course. And it's funny to me that these are probably the same oh. people who are saying who are anti-vax, you know, who don't want to go out and get vaccinated. And it's like if you already have been vaccinated from some kind of disease, what's the, what this one doesn't make much of a difference for you. It's going to save your life and your family's life. So it just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you got to wait until you're almost in the grave to be like, okay, this thing's real. Oh, it's real. I mean, people still don't believe it, but it's, I'm COVID's a real thing. I mean, how it came about, who knows? And is it, is is mother nature just trying to destroy us because they're i mean or are we just we're too i, I don't know i don't know what's I, going on in the I, world yeah. <laughs> like are we in a simulation <laughs> i mean i would rather this is real i would rather investigate where this come from and you know all the other detective stuff that we have to do later and then first everyone get vac uh, everyone get vaccinated first like i think england is not shutting down completely, but they're not allowing certain uh, people to fly into England. Yeah, because you know, they have the Delta variant is that, that that's where it started, I believe. And so, well, and if now there's a Lambda variant, yeah. I mean, when's it? It's lambda, gonna. Lambda, lambda. I mean, when's this is? It's just gonna keep mutating, and because man is making it mutate. Right. <laughs> like you remember HRN one. No one? No one remember that one? Oh, right. Okay. The, well, there was the swine flu and that there was the bird flu. Bird flu. And now. Which is all part of COVID. And, and this some, is the bat flu yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> but we never had anything like this since 1918, you know. Right. And yeah. which that got controlled by what, 1920, yeah, 1921? the Spanish flu. A the, lot of people died. Yeah. But yeah. it got controlled like by the early 20s. And we're about we're in our second year, and the shit is going rampant. And this yeah. is in 1920 science, so even not that long ago, but still not. We they didn't have the technology in contrast to what we have right. now. Yeah. Well, I just rewatched Downton Abbey, and they they talk about the Spanish flu. It's so funny. Of of it's not funny, but it was in Downton Abbey. One of one of the characters dies because of of the Spanish flu and I was watching it and I was like oh my god it's just like it's just like the COVID and at, like all, all these people came down with it at once and it was it was everywhere uh and then and people and it's it's awful and people die oh I don't want to die you're not gonna die okay you just just you already have a plan to give you're not one of these people that are like skeptical no or, no I know. know I need to I need to get it done you know it, it's just right now like of uh, course all of us were skeptical before i know definitely i was we've talked about it many yeah. times on this show early on because you know 
you know, some of us black people were kind of skeptical about shit like that. But, you know, the list that I just read, black people were not on that list. So right. <laughs> we actually, I, and women, I didn't see, um, other than Republicans, I didn't see women as a big factor either. You know, so the fact of the matter is just like, you know, get it done. I'm, I, I have a bunch of choices. I can get it done at Glide because it's right down. Walking it's, distance. Um, yeah. And, or I can, I just, yeah. You know, if you're going to do the Johnson and Johnson, make sure you take that day off in the next day. Yeah, yeah I'm tough though. Uh, just, I would make sure you just clear your schedule. I just have a feeling like I didn't have any, like when I took my second one of Pfizer, I was fine, but everyone's body is different too. So, but I made sure that I, I had, you know, whatever I had that doing that day, my schedule was cleared. Cause I didn't know what the fuck was going to yeah, happen. Yeah. No, I've, I mean, I've heard, well, it'll all, it'll all work out. Um, but I don't want to die. I really, it's, the world is a scary place. I mean, and I do try to live every day like it's my last. I do have a, a really fun time. But, and the thing is, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be depressing. But the, I, have, I, this is, I mean, this is what's going on in the world. I have no idea what else is going on in the world because I'm submerged in a barrel of comedy. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else is going on in the world? Oh, uh, what else okay? is going on in the world is, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Oklahoma and Texas decided to uh, they're trying to like still ban critical race theory which is not taught in a elementary or high school level it's only taught in college level ladies and gentlemen so they're actually trying to now like in Texas they are trying to not talk about the KKK and how bad they were they are not they're trying not to mention martin luther king's of all speeches the i have a dream speech which is like you know everyone knows that one and um they're also trying to not talk about susan b anthony what yeah like I, it's like some of the like some of the shit that i was reading about this is in texas by the way they're trying not to talk about indigenous american like they're trying but, to sweep everything under the rug but the, for what purpose just to forward to make the... not white people look bad or white uh... men look bad that's what it sounds like because when they threw the susan b anthony i was just like oh wow y'all even throwing her in the bit in the well, mix like shit, damn y'all Y'all white men just don't want to talk about nothing. Well, I mean, <laughs> Texas, uh, they, we did, they, it wasn't, it was, it belonged to Mexico. <laughs> and then they, we've right. just, we've been, we've been, we've been messing with everybody for a manifest destiny is pretty terrible and stupid. Everything I see is mine because here's, I said it. Here's the article. The, uh, this is coming out of the Austin American in uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, did Texas lawmakers remove requirement to teach KKK as morally wrong? Here's what we know. Uh, Senate, uh, Senate Bill 3 states that a teacher may not com be compelled to discuss a particular current event or widely debated currently controversial issue of public policy of social affairs. The bill is followed up by an already passed bill by Abbott piece of shit uh signed in may among the changes and sb3 is the removal of the reference to ku klux klan being morally wrong from <gasps> house bill 
3979, which is set to become law in September. Ain't this a bitch? This but is crazy to me. This, but 60 House Democrats uh, broke uh, quorum in response to push for more restrictive voting laws. SB3 is unable to be brought up for discussion in the House, leaving its future in limbo. Uh, and then the Texas Democrats did leave uh, and they flew to Washington. And so uh, Greg Abbott was trying to get them arrested. So can Texas Democrats be arrested? Texas Democrats. Arrested for what? Texas Democrats be, uh, be arrested for fleeing the state. What does this mean for the special session? Here's what we know about the current law. Texas and critical race theory. The term critical race theory has become a catch-all uh, catch phrase among legislation legislatures and pundits who have pushed the limits on teaching practices related to race and racism the actual theory provides a framework of understanding how racial disparities develop the author of h uh hb 3979 steve toth uh, who is a republican the woodlands told uh, House members that critical race theory rejects the rule of law as the disguise for selfish interests of supposedly white supremacist American society. Wow, this is making me mad by reading this. HB 3979 is about teaching race, racial harmony by telling the truth that we are all equal, both in God's eyes and our founding documents, he added. Does he not read the uh, Constitution where black people were not we are one fourths of human. Or, right, it was two thirds. Two thirds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, the thing that the, uh, the worst part is that to to teach that the KKK is not morally wrong, perpetuating violence against. They're a terrorist group. They're a terror. Yeah, they're a domestic terrorist group. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and to teach that that's not morally it is not morally wrong to hurt people, for b bigoted reasons. It's well. I so mean, you're a clan member yourself, was what you're trying to tell uh, me. Uh, exactly. you, that's what it kind of. It's just you don't have your hood on. You have a suit right. on sure. instead. Um, Toth proposed <sighs> amending the bill to require that slavery and racism to be portrayed as portrayals of and divisions from the founding principles of the United States in classroom instructions. Meanwhile, SB3 proposed by Brian Hughes, who is a Republican out of uh, Minola expounds on the idea while removing references to the KKK. Uh, and so it goes into Why would you about remove references of the KKK? Uh, slavery really happened. Like it, we really, it was, this why did, why deny it? That's like, it's like being a Holocaust denier. It's like being a Nazi. Here's what, okay, so I, we're almost done and then we can go off because I'm about to pop off because this is making me upset. HB 3979 versus SB3, teaching about slavery and racism with or without white supremacy. The, pa the past House bill was amended by Democrats to require teaching to include the following and many other documents, such as the founding documents of the United States, uh, including the Federalist Papers and the transcript of Lincoln-Douglas debate, writings from Frederick Douglass newspaper, the North Star, the Book of Negroes, the Fugitive Slaves Acts of 1793 and 1850, the Indian Removal Act, Thomas Jefferson's letter to the Danbury Baptist, William Still's Underground Railroad Records, uh, how critical race theory has become a uh, 
debate in Texas. H3979 would require that historical documents related to civil, civic accomplishments of marginalized populations be taught, whereas SB3 contains no such provisions. Wow. Those documents include Martin Luther King's letter from the Birmingham jail, the I Have a Dream speech, the U.S. Supreme Court's decision of Brown versus Board of Education what? established school segregations as of unconstitutional. The Snyder Act of 1924, which granted citizenship to indigenous people and Native Americans, the Emancipation of Proclamation Freed Slaves, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the 26th constitutional, constitution, uh, constitutional Amendment, which made the voting age 18 years old, the U.S. Court of Appeals of the Ninth Circuit uh, decision, Menendez versus Westminster, a school uh, desegregation out of California and the predecessor to Brown versus Board, Frederick Dus Douglass's narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave, the life and work of Cesar Chavez, the life and work of Dolores Horta, the history of importance of women's suffrage movement to gain the right to vote, including the Declaration of Settlements and writings of Susan B. Anthony's and Abigail Adams, the life and works of Hector Garcia, a Texas civil rights advocate and founder of the GI Forum, the GI Forum, which advocated the rights for Hispanics partially to veterans, Hernandez versus Texas, a landmark civil rights case ensuring, ensuring due process for all ethnic racial groups, and the League of, U of Latin American Citizens, the nationwide Mexican-American civil rights organization. So all of that stuff <sighs> they're going to not teach. Yes. Because that makes smarter children. That's insane to me. Why, why would you... You're not Why gonna, would you try to erase the history? What for? What? What could? Did we it, just celebrate uh, women's suffrage? I mean, white women's suffrage. <laughs> I mean, they don't even want to teach white women's suffrage. Y'all, yeah. y'all, y'all, white men, women better get mad. What are they going to teach in schools then? Like, what is the history? Are we going to go back to the, the the cherry tree myth that isn't even true? Like, what what's the point? Caesar Chavez, really? You're so you're just going to totally erase. No, I, I mean, exactly. The whole migrant farm worker giving people rights for, for work and uh, labor, the entire labor movement. Dolores Huerta, Huerta? was part of the right. labor movement as well. It's you, They don't want to teach about how uh, Texas was stolen from Mexico. It's, that's, that's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy, though, because it's so they're obviously there. It's such an obvious ploy to to push back on children's critical thought and forward thinking about the world. The, the kids, well, the kids can't change the world unless they know what shitty things have happened that they, the truth, the, the truth. The, the yeah. Truth. So, wow. So wait, wow. So Why would they, I, I, it's just so unbelievable to me that they just, that Listen, Texas is like, we want to keep our people stupid. I'm not even a big fan of Susan B. Anthony. But for Pete's sake, she's on a fucking coin. Right, So exactly. you're just not going to you yeah. just yeah. dismiss that. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, Sacagawea, why don't you go? I mean, well, that's the thing. Why, <laughs> why, why teach any history at all? Why not just make it Stephen King books? I mean, it doesn't... <laughs> If you if you're not gonna teach that will, the actually, truth, Stephen King has a lot of historical aspects in this book, so yeah, that might be true. too much. Um, <laughs> that's true. I know the the whole uh, eleven twenty three sixty or whatever that book was great but why why even call it history in school his, if you're not going to actually teach what happened his story yeah his story his white story mm -hmm. 
because he because his manifest destiny. I mean, you know, we need to know the atrocities that we've committed in the past. We need to know what we did to Native American people. We need to know to the indigenous yes. peoples of this um, nation, and that we and then that we were built on the the backs of slaves. We have to know this. Like you don't. I mean, something as simple as I got I got so tired of it. Like even growing up, and you know, about hearing about the "I have a dream" speech, which white people love that so now you don't even want to teach that that's just like to me well, i think I we should be why? teaching like malcolm x and shit like that Absolutely. and like shirley chisholm and like oh but that's a little bit too but but that the thing is that we need to have discussions about where like the black panther movement and right. what where the did truth. it come from and how was it i mean were they were targeted and they um, Brady Friedan and and how uh, Gloria Steinem used to like bump head, but that but that's too deep for them. That's that's too. I'm glad Gloria Steinem wasn't on that list. We can still talk about feminism You're not a gonna, little bit, if, honey. If they're gonna not talk about Susan B. Anthony, then you know they're not gonna talk about no Gloria Steinem. She it's don't just, even exist. What are they the, gonna? Te- what are they teaching? Are they gonna bring Bible back into the school? It just seems like. A lot of people already know these things too. Like, believe it or not, even kids even know certain things that that were on this list. Sure. So, when they come back to the classroom and you talk history, you're just gonna disregard all that. It's just it's the the curriculum is what shapes the learning, and you're shaping the minds. And if you if your curriculum doesn't include the right things you're not teaching history it call it something else you're, you're a former teacher yourself you, you you know i think there's going to be a bigger teacher exodus after this I hope because so. now you have state governments and what I have you this is a this is a bill this is a texas bill yeah oh there's, there's how can this i'm not I'm just flabbergasted te- i i mean i know that racism is real but every time i think about outside of san francisco i'm like Wow, I really, I am in such a bubble here. There's many other states like Oklahoma and Iowa and uh, Missouri and other a ton of other states who are trying to do the same thing, you know, with basically erasing history. Right. Because everyone now, the fact that, you know, people are able to look these things up at, the, at their fingertips mm-hmm. scares the fuck out of a lot of these white supremacists as well. You know, and so, and here's another thing. I didn't learn my history in the, in, you know, in elementary and in high school. No. I, my grandparents and my mom made sure that I had books. I, you know, I read like uh, Malcolm X's autobiography when I was in fourth grade. Wow. To Kill a Markenberg when I was in uh, second grade. Uh, um, the miseducate, uh, the mis, uh, the miseducated Negro, uh, when I was like in fifth grade, like stuff that I had to learn because I, my parents knew that this shit was, was not gonna never going to be taught. Yeah. Yeah. I even spent a whole summer going to a African uh, history course when I was thirteen, because cool. in the schools they didn't teach this, so you had to go out on your own. But the fact that you're gonna even so hide, it's hiding yes. the past. It's literally hiding what happened it's saying it's it's just reminding me of like this is making me think a lot about hitler and like nazi stuff like i mean it's fat it's it's fascist thought that 
It's brainwashing. It's and propaganda. Have, and then they call it's us. It's not education. They call us communists. And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Actually, you're, you guys are kind of teetering. No, that's, it's fascism. It's fascism. It's saying that it's just, it's, well, it's lying about the past, too. It's, it's lying by omission. So I think what it comes down to is, is, is a lie truly a lie or is a lie by an omission? Is, is that also moralistically wrong? And I, I think it is. You know, <laughs> I mean, the problem is the American school system sucks. Yeah. It's been sucking for decades. Yeah. And we are like out of all throughout the world when it comes to our education system, we are not at the top. Right. We are not at the, and we're just going lower. We're trying to race to the bottom. And well, and what's, I mean, what's the, AI is coming. And what jobs are we going to even, what is our educate, what are we learning? What is, is it going to be? Every, you, is there going to be any program a computer? Are you nothing? Is there going to be any engineers left? Because our math sucks too. I, I mean, I, are there going to be able to have any professors? I mean, what they're doing right now, they're trying to take away uh, certain professors' tenors, you know, because like I, I forgot Nicole Hannah Jones, who did the 1619 project, who won a Nobel Peace Prize for it. She got her tenor taken away uh, from the university she was teaching at huh. because conservatives uh, were trying to basically pull their money away. You know, colleges make money from. Sure, don't, yeah, all yeah. kinds of stuff. But. So, but she ended up, I believe she's at Howard University now because oh. she was at uh, University of uh, North Carolina. Uh, but yeah. So they took her tenor away because all the pressure from the conservatives and a critical race theory. Wow. And it's 1619 Project and talking about when the first slaves came here. And it also talked about indigenous Americans. And just. Yeah. We, well, this is, it, we need to, we need to know the past. We need to learn things. We need to know. There's so much we still don't know. Like I didn't grow up knowing about the Tulsa riots. I, I didn't know until you educated me on the, um, the Black Wall Street thing, yeah, which I think is amazing. You know, I knew about the St. Louis, the East St. Louis race riots in Chicago, but and I didn't know about the Wilmington, North Carolina coup d'état uh, that happened in 1891. I, I don't know what this yeah, is. Yeah, you should what look that this? one up. Let's have a history lesson, yeah, ladies and I gentlemen. I, I just found this out. This is sad. What is this uh, Wil Wilmington, North Carolina, 1891, I believe. This is during after. This is light right in. The reconstruction when Jim Crow uh, was trying, finally getting a stranglehold because this was a local government. The Wilmington Massacre. Yes. I'm going to let you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take the that Wilmington over. Massacre is a lesson in American history. This is from Time magazine. The 1898 Wilmington Massacre is an essential lesson on how state violence has targeted black Americans. Um. Show, show me, I want to scroll. Oh, they're making, they, these jerks want to make me subscribe. Uh, Wilmington Insurrection, 1898. Here we go. The Wilmington in Insurrection of 1898, also known as the Wilmington Massacre of 1899, or the Wilmington Coup of 1898, was a mass riot and insurrection carried out by white supremacists in Wilmington, North Carolina, the United States, on Thursday, November 10th, 1898. The white press in Wilmington originally described the event as a race riot caused by black people, as the white press typically did 
when faced with news of race massacre. Since the late 20th century and further study, the insurrection has been characterized as a coup d'etat, the violent overthrow of a duly elected government, a group of white supremacists. What? Multiple causes brought it about. The coup was a result of a group of the state's white Southern Democrats conspiring and leading a mob of 2,000 white men to overthrow the legitimately elected local fusionist biracial government in Wilmington. They expelled opposition black and white political leaders from the city, destroyed the property and business of black citizens, built up since the Civil War, including the only black newspaper in the city, and killed an estimated 60 to more than 300 people. It has been described as the only incident of its kind in American history because other incidents of late Reconstruction era violence did not result in direct removal and replacement of elected officials by unelected individuals. So the white people went in to the biracially elected government said, fuck your face, killed 60 to 300 people, and burned a bunch of shit down, and then took over? And people were okay with that. That's insane. Because they scared everybody? They scared they, everybody. They saw, they saw that they black, murdered black, everyone. black people and poor whites were working together at that time, because this is during Reconstruction. Right. And so between 1870 to, like I believe, 1890s, like... Uh, this is like kind of like the end of the reconstruction and the beginning of Jim Crow. Wow. This is kind of the beginning of it all. Because the white people are like, we're scared. You, you're making money. You're you're making Y'all businesses. Y'all working together. Yeah, you're working together. To, but why can't everybody be? That's the thing about America. It's supposed to be that you can you can become anything. You can work up to anything. You can work together. You're There's welcome. a melting pot. It's everyone's welcome, and we can all work together. Except we say that. And then on the other hand, it's like, in 1898, they, this is a horrible thing. I mean, I just, oh, yeah, this is like, like I heartbreaking. Just, and I've never heard of this before. Exactly. Like, I, I just found this out about, uh, like, last year. The Wilmington coup is considered a turning point in post-Reconstruction North Carolina politics. It was part of an era of more severe racial segregation and effective disenfranchisement of African Americans throughout the South, which had been underway since the passage of a new constitution in Mississippi in 1890, which raised barriers to the registration of black voters. Other states soon passed similar laws. Laura Edwards wrote in the Democracy Betrayal, Betrayed 2000, what happened in Wilmington became an affirmation of white supremacy, not just in that one city, but in the South and the nation as a whole, as it affirmed that invoking whiteness eclipsed legal citizenship, individual rights, and equal protection under the law that black Americans were guaranteed under the 14th Amendment. Wow. You know, I shouldn't be surprised because it makes sense if if the, if the Civil War ended and people started making things of themselves and having businesses and not being slaves and being able to work for themselves. Right. It became threatening. And then you to the guys that were like, but we've been in charge all this time. And don't forget the Civil War destroyed the whole economy in the uh, South and what have you. So and which is still destroyed. And so you had those poor whites who had no work and what have you. Yeah. So that's and you, of course, former slaves that had to start from scratch. So they both had to start from scratch 
together. Yeah. And so at the time they were building like yeah. little local governments like so. Sure. To and elect, but they were elected. They went in yeah. and it was elected officials. This is the same thing that they were trying to do with the Nancy, with the insurrection, the, the insurrection is, that the Trump is, just this did. This is how kind of like when that happened on January 6th, this story came back out right. about, cause again, that was the only coup d'etat right. until, wow. And it's the same thing that is going on right now. Yeah. It's the same thing. But the thing is we have technology and media that mm. puts out these things. Like for example, uh, back in the late sixties, the black Panther party, um, uh, was trying to work with, um, Poor whites in West Virginia, mm-hmm. and oh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, who was murdered by the cops in Chicago? Um, he's a former uh, Black Panther Party leader. I'm blanking. I should not. But anyway, he was going to like Appalachia, parts of uh, different towns in Appalachia, that were telling these white poor white people that you guys need to come and work with us because these corporations. Yeah. The reason why that. Y- you're not getting paid. These corporations are taking your money. These coal mines yeah. are making you wait. The same thing happened again uh, in uh, 1920 or 1921 in West Virginia, too, where the coal mine workers, both black and white, worked together. And there was a riot amongst the police and, mm. the, uh, and also the, the, the owners of the coal mines. But then what happened again? Oh, we saw... These poor whites and these black people working again. So let's, we got to Jim Crow it up. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You know, it's always the same thing. And it's the same thing over again. It's the same. Well, right now with just even bigger corporations. And it's all right in front. It's like they're hiding in plain sight. In 1860, just prior to the outbreak of the Civil War, Wilmington was a majority, was majority black and was also the largest city in the state of North Carolina with a population of nearly 10,000. Numerous enslaved laborers and free people of color worked at the city's port in households as domestic servants and a variety of jobs as artisans and skilled workers. Uh, With the end of the war, freedmen who lived in many states left plantations and rural areas and moved to towns and cities, not only to seek out work, but also to gain safety by creating black communities without white supervision. Tensions grew in Wilmington and other areas because of a shortage of supplies. Confederate currency suddenly had no value, and the South was impoverished following the end of the Long War. In 1868, North Carolina ratified the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, resulting in the recognition of Reconstruction policies. The state legislature and governorship were dominated by Republican officials, with the governor a white man and the legislature made up of both whites and blacks. Conservative white Democrats, who had previously dominated politics in the state, greatly resented this racial change, which they deemed as being brought about by black residents, unionist carpetbaggers, and race traitors. Freedmen (laughs) were eager to vote and tended to support the Republican Party that had emancipated them and given them citizenship and suffrage. For a temporary period, Confederate veterans were banned from voting and holding public office in the state. Many white Democrats were embittered, in, oh, wow. um, in, embittered by the Confederacy's defeat. Insurgent veterans joined the Ku Klux Klan. I did not know that part. Which orchestrated considerable violence in elections in order to suppress the black vote. The KKK was originally to support... Wow. And Texas doesn't want to talk about that. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. I didn't even that I didn't know about absolutely the makes sense that that's that the Confederate conf, ex-Confederate uh, soldiers who were pissed off and embittered who were white supremacists who were white supremacists because they used vote. to own slaves. They, I didn't know they couldn't vote. That part I didn't know, which okay, yeah. That trees they're treasonous. They're treasonous, yeah. And they were lucky they got to stay in the United States. Exactly. Um and they were mad and so they said we're going to start the Ku Club. You know, we're, you know, we're going to start do, a club. You know, we're going to start a little club for white people. And then we're going to be. We got some sheets here. Uh, Mary, throw me those sheets right there. And that it's uh, <laughs> orchestrated considerable violence at elections to suppress the black vote. Yeah, if I was scared to vote, I probably wouldn't go vote. If I thought that by going to vote, someone would, might kill me, I might not vote. I'd probably be like, you know what? Not going out today. You have a cross burning or, you know, someone yeah. that lynched you or a family member. Oh, my God. That fear and terror. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't. The, the Still happens. The Still happens. Democrats regained control of the state legislature in 1870 after the KKK was suppressed by the federal government through the Force Act of 1870. A new pair. New paramilitary groups arose in the South by 1874. Chapters of the Red Shirts, a paramilitary arm of the Democratic Party, had formed in North Carolina. Ooh. Um, what is this? I want to see what this Force Act of 1870 is. The Force, the Enforcement Act of 1870, also known as the Civil Rights Act of 1870, or First Ku Klux Klan Act, or Force Act, Enacted May 31st, 1870, effective 1871, was a United States federal law that empowered the president to enforce the first section of the 15th Amendment throughout the United States. The act was the first of three endorsement acts passed by the United States Congress in 1870 and 71 during the Reconstruction era to com combat attacks on voting rights of African Americans from state officials or violent groups like the Ku Klux Klan. The Enforcement Act of 1870 prohibited discrimination by state officials in voter registration on the basis of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. It established penalties for interfering with a person's right to vote and gave federal courts the power to enforce the act. The act also authorized the president to employ the use of the army to uphold the act and the use of federal marshals to bring charges against offenders for election fraud, bribery or intimidation of voters, and conspiracies to prevent citizens from exercising their constitutional right. The act banned the use of terror, force, or bribery to prevent people from voting because of their race. Other laws banned the KKK entirely. Hundreds of KKK members were arrested and tried as common criminals and terrorists. The first Klan was more, uh, was more or less eradicated within a year of federal prosecution. Amazing. I didn't know about that either. I, I had news, I, I had read a little bit about that, but that's something I knew a little bit about uh, in like in uh, college. The but Enforcement Act. In 1870, yeah. Because the Ku Klux Klan is illegal. Yeah. You're not allowed to do that. But they did. They, did. But don't forget, they were invited to the White House in the early teens oh by Woodrow God. Wilson. Wow. He was a fan. Fan of the KKK. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm not a big fan of Woodrow Wilson. I think that... I mean, their politics follows the money. Yeah. And if, if, if the money is uh, into racial suppression... Then that's. But that's the thing. It really, it technically, it really isn't. That's the problem. 
it's it, white. That's why white supremacy. It's it's just it's it hurts everyone. Yeah, of course it does. And especially if you're a greedy fuck, it it hurts economics. Like the fact that you don't want a certain group or certain groups of people to be paid a, a livable wage. Right. Or at the same amount as a white man. To, to have the opportunity for social advancement. Right. Or to have the opportunity to have whatever advancement you want in any in any context. And, you know, it, it just makes me so angry where people still have the stereotype that black people are lazy. Uh-uh. We worked for free for about 200-something uh, yeah. years and then didn't have anything and tried to build our own cities and towns just to get what this story right here and then we talk about Tulsa and like uh, uh, Rosewood, Florida, and other so many other places. But this right here, I was just, just this was in 1870. They said KKK bad, right? Right. <laughs> and this is over a hundred years ago. And this is by, 150 years ago. And then by the early, uh, the late 19 after World War One, going into the 1920s, uh, the KKK had its highest membership. Wow. And that was during. Woodrow Wilson's term and don't forget Birth of a Nation the movie that came uh, out in eight, eight, 1915 which was shown at the White House that was also the start that's when the Klan started getting popular and then uh, for about the ne like 10 years plus they had their highest right well and it's and that's that they're so involved in, in, in politics and that race and politics are so intertwined. There's, there's, there's the the Jean-Paul Sartre play, The Respectful Prostitute, is uh, lambasts the United States and how it's the it's the play about the prostitute, prostitute who's on the train and she witnesses these white guys kill a black guy, but they basically frame her and then try to bribe her and it's terrible and it's just these white men with power and you see her get twisted and and it takes place in the 40s it right? takes place in the 40s yeah. yeah and it was written in the 40s i think yeah it must, but it's that sort of southern that race runs the town that the white men are infallible that they can murder a black person and yet then get somebody else to say that they were raped and that's why it was just it it was it's it's hard to read that play and I, I re reread it like kind of once a year. I've always wanted to do it on the on the radio, but it's hard because they say the N word so much. And I know that it's acting and stuff, but I think that it's I don't know, it's 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 just a it's a crazy play. And it was written by a French guy and it's just it's so good. But the race inequality and how it's entwined in politics is I mean, just even coming off of reading these articles that we've been reading so far, like just reading about the whole critical race theory thing that's going on in Texas, it just equals to everything that this story that you were reading about Wilmington is kind of the same shit. Yeah, exactly. But that's the stuff that we need to know because we need to know that, that they don't want to say that the KKK is morally wrong. That is, that's insane to me. They've murdered people, intimidation, fear. We know there's a history. There's a law that was passed. And and Texas doesn't want to say that the KKK is morally wrong? That's insane. I can't. It's but just like lying. It's just blatant lying to children. Yeah. You, that's, yeah. It's so might as well teach Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny now in school. <laughs> like, 
And here, here's the thing. These people that are setting these, these laws and these voter suppressions are the same people that took over, that had the coup d'etat in Wilmington and just burned the whole motherfucker down yeah. and said, okay, we're here. They're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. But, but the thing is, they're having other people do the bloodshed. Right. You know, that's what they're doing. They just don't have their hoods on. And th <laughs> everything that they're doing is Jim Crow 2.0. Yeah, exactly. And it's happening right now. That's the thing is that this is this happened 150 years ago, and right now they're saying let's not. Oh, not talk 150. 122 years ago. 122. Well, I was, yeah, I was just thinking about the 1870 thing. Oh, the, oh, the, the 1870. The, yeah, because yeah, yeah, of the yeah. Ku Klux Klan. Exactly. But that we, how many, how many historical facts do we have? How many? Uh, I mean, the last I remember, the, the lynching is murdering somebody. Yeah. Except that, and there were th how many thousands, and that unsolved, uh, un unsolved, yeah. And but everybody knows, everyone knows. These everyone knows who did it. It was Ku Klux Klan. They were wearing it. What? So why don't they the get prostituted? Be because because the Ku Klux Klan was the sheriff or the judge right, 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 or right. Uh, yeah, was exactly. friends with the governor. It's, right, exactly. And these people never got prosecuted. Like all these white supremacists that took over. That oh my took god, over, they murdered people. Got, that's a crazy. They like murdered the people in charge and then took over and, and nothing happened. And nothing happened and, and we don't even know about it or learn about it except that now they're gonna cover up that the KKK is not like evil. I mean I don't I mean good versus evil. It, the, these are Oh and term. these are the Christians, by but, the way. But murder <laughs> these are the Christians. Can Christians. we not agree that Okay, so with COVID-19, everyone's like, don't die, don't die. We don't want to die. But then we're like, oh, but certain people can die. Or not about COVID, it's just about like these lynchings and these k killings. And so how, if, if, if dying is bad, then the KKK is bad because they perpetuated. But then, I mean, the I mean, police is bad. How many... <laughs> murder is bad. Murder is bad. bad. I mean... Murder is bad. And the, it, they committed murder. Therefore, it's morally bad, morally wrong. And that Texas wants to not talk about this is like all for all for supremacy and for l making a demographic look innocent and pure, because that is the first thing when you look at white, the first thing it says pure. So wow. in innocent. Huh? We're not, it's not why you we can't can't sweep it under the rug. Uh you yeah, don't, it's because you, you don't grow by sweeping shit under the rug. It gets into a power keg. Well, we, we it, grow by learning things like there was biracial, you know, in this in this Wilmington place, there was it was a biracial government. Slave traders. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, it says the Republican Party was a biracial membership. Unlike many other jurisdictions, black people in Wilmington were elected to local office and also gained prominent positions in the community. For example, the city's aldermen, um, all this, for example, three of the city's aldermen were black. Of the five members of the constituent board of audit and finance, one was black. Black people also served in civic positions of justice of the peace, deputy clerk of the court, sh uh, sh street superintendent, wow. and as coroner's policemen, mail clerks, and mail carriers. 
African-Americans also held significant economic power in the city. Many former slaves had skills which they were able to use in the marketplace. For example, several became bakers, grocers, dyers, etc., making up nearly 35% of Wilmington's service positions. Since 1889, many had moved into other areas of the economy. Black people were moving out of service jobs and into jobs different types of employment where there was a higher demand for their work along with higher pay at the time black people accounted for more than 30 percent of wilmington's skilled craftsmen such as mechanics carpenters jewelers watchmakers painters plasterers plumbers steve doors i don't know what a steve door is blacksmiths masons and wheelwrights in addition they owned this they owned 10 of the city's 11 restaurants 90 percent of the city's 22 barbers and uh, one of the city's four fish and oyster dealerships. There were also more black uh, bookmakers, shoemakers than white ones. One third of the city's butchers were black. Half the city's tailors were black. And lastly, two brothers, Alexander and Frank Manley, owned the Wilmington Daily Record, one of the few black newspapers in the state and reportedly the only black newspaper in the county. White resentment. Here's where we get, yeah. <laughs> With black people, you know, these, this is the stuff we need to learn about. But we're lazy. Remember? We're right. I mean, ran the city, practically, like, ran the city, killing economy. it, own economy, and then, the, and then we have white resentment. Uh, oh, it's even black, uh, black professionals increasingly supported each other. For example, of the more than 2,000 black professionals in Wilmington at the time, more than 95% were clergy or teachers, professors, when they were not when they were not shut out from competing with unlike doctors and lawyers. Hmm. Um, with black people in the area rapidly emerging into this newfound social status, racial tensions grew as they progressed economically, socially, and politically. As former slaves and their children, black Americans, had no inherited wealth. With the collapse of the Freedmen's Bank, one of 37 branches one was in Wilmington. Some black residents from Wilmington lost much of their savings, and after the experienced, uh, after the experienced, most distrusted banks. Freedmen were also leery of debt, as the debt slave metaphor stuck with the community. In addition, credit or loans available to them were marked up in price. The annual interest rate of credit charged to black people was nearly 15% compared to 7.5% for poor whites. And lenders refused to let African-Americans pay off their mortgages with installments. This practice, known as principal or nothing, positioned lenders to take over black property and businesses through forced sales. The lack of inherited wealth, limitations of access to credit, and loss of savings through federal mismanagement and fraud created a combined effect in which black people could not save anything or otherwise acquire the means to own taxable property. Though they made up nearly 60% of the county's population, property ownership among black residents in Wilmington was rare at just 8%, or nearly $6 million in real and personal property taxes. They paid less than 400000 of this amount, and whites per, per the capita wealth, whites in the county was around 550. It was less than 30 for black people. Wow. Um, affluent whites believed they were paying taxes in disproportionate amounts given 
the amount of property they owned relative to the city's black residents, who now had the political power to prevent affluent whites from charging this rate. <laughs> Additionally, there was tension with poor, unskilled whites who competed with African Americans in the job market and found their services in less demand than skilled black labor. Black people were caught between not meeting the expectations of the affluent whites and exceeding the expectations of poor whites, effectively moving too fast and too slow at the same time. Um, I want to hear more. I'm like, I'm like, what's the, I guess it's, the, so the whites were just mad and they charged more interest rates and tried to take over and then all of a sudden there was affluence and they said, nope, we're kill ya. Yeah. Like Black scare Wall ya. Street, hence why they call it Black Wall Street. Yeah. No one was charged for that either. Ah! <laughs> and then no one's allowed to learn about it either. So not only did they get away with it once, they're getting away with it forever. Yeah. Which is so wrong. Like hundreds of towns were like destroyed because of white resentment. Is because they don't want to compete. Because I mean, oh, we have to. Everyone's. Oh, we're so woke. I'm so woke. We're so woke. But this is like, to, if you're gonna use the stupid term, know the history. Like. Don't and whitewashing history, gross. Tell the truth. That's how. That's change as a people because together, a nation. They think that the whole thing is supposed to be just demoralizing white people. No, as you can hear, there was hits the biracial, uh, biracial government, government yeah. and the slave traders. We know what that means when they say that classic slur, by the way. Uh, but it's telling the truth that. You know, there was a point in time when these people did work together, but the resentment by the others were like, oh, no, we can't have this happen. Oh, God, let's yeah. burn it to the ground. I hope it doesn't get burned to the ground this time. No, they get vaccinated. That's the rule. Today's rule is <laughs> get vaccinated yes. and read a fucking book. <laughs> Go read a goddamn while you're waiting for your vaccination. Bring a history book and read it and tell Anything. somebody. Tell somebody about the coup d'etat of 1898 where the Ku Klux Klan got away with it again. Those pesky guys don't know who they are in those hoods except could tell it's the sheriff's shoes. <laughs> and you know, here's a here's a fun fact before, you know, we you know, switch up or leave. The thing <laughs> is the same thing is still modern because the fact of the matter our black neighborhoods or certain neighborhoods are still reeling from the crack epidemic mm. and what have you. And that was like in the 80s and 90s because we all know it wasn't black people that brought crack into the neighborhood. Yeah. They had their own new, fa instead of, you couldn't really go and like bust and burn cities. So they dropped certain like, you know, drugs into the community mm -hmm. and then hence the drug war. Mm -hmm. So actually technically they did bust into people's houses because you're suspicious or we think you have drugs here. Yeah, the stop and frisk Yeah, from New York was pretty ridiculous. Exactly. It was totally racially motivated. Well, so much, we just have to recognize that so much of what is happening in our world around us is racially motivated. And we can't, just because we're in San Francisco doesn't mean we can say, well, that's, it's not here. <laughs> it's just funny still, to it's, me. It's our country. I'm still tripping up the fact, like, y'all try to really whitewash Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, like, really, I just. <laughs> I still can't. I, the, the, the whole thing about that text is, the, I think, the worst, the worst part about it is saying is not saying that the kkk is morally wrong right that is it's a terrorist group it's 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 oh it's horrific it's not okay and um i i'm not a part of texas but 
their daddies must have been clan members. It's just where is where is Austin on this? Austin, pick up the slack, bros. Like you can't try and it's other it's it's just it's Greg Abbott. It's the prat that people keep voting these motherfuckers in. Right. But there's also gerrymandering and everything. Right. Texas is nasty with it. You know? Yeah, and, and other states too. All that stuff. It's not just Texas, it's other other a lot of other states too. Racism is real, everybody. Yeah. Is it, is it more destructive than COVID? I, I don't I think, know. Maybe. I think it's Maybe coming not. hand in hand, COVID yeah. and racism. We already, we already found out which demographics don't want to take the vaccine because wow, those Trump Republicans are the coup d'etats. They are. The, well, they did. They, they, they did the insurrection. They already did it, yeah. yeah. And did, did I hope they all got in trouble. Um, some got misdemeanors. Uh, one guy just recently, he's the first one that got a felony, and he has to serve eight months. If black people would have done that, say it. They probably would have been shot, and there would have been deaths. Bloodshed. There would have been bloodshed, and they would all be prosecuted like crazy. And it would have been our fault, right? Because we were having a peaceful fucking protest. Yeah. Well, not to end on a bummer, but uh, yeah, insurrection. <laughs> the insurrection. In- insurrection. Insurrection. What a show. So I'm gonna go, and I just I looked it up. Um, tomorrow, Glide has drop in. Johnson and Johnson vaccines from 10 to 4. So I'm going to go get it tomorrow. When I, after, well, we'll see after I get my COVID te- test back from today, because I tested today. It'll be around about midnight. I'll get the, I'll get the thing that says negative. Nice. And then I will go. And get the I'm not, shot. I get the shot. Cause I, uh, but I'm not, I've never shown symptoms. I've never been sick. I do still wear my mask everywhere. And I, I don't really ride the bus very much. Um, it's the others you have to worry about, my dear. It's right. the others. I know the others yeah. but i don't want to be afraid of the others i i i i, I embrace the other uh, <laughs> i just don't want to die i don't want to die either i, I want to stay alive as long as i can i've been thinking a lot about death lately and i and i i know that i don't want to die i want to stick around at least through the right. comedy festival <laughs> October 10th through 16th and all of our venues um, are potentially outdoor or indoor so we can I can go either way on that yeah and tonight there are still some reservations left for dinner and a show at Asiento 730 really great lineup always is um, I have 28 tickets sold out of 38 that's fantastic oh, that's, pretty that's great that's great because there's always some walk-ups too and uh, and it's a really great lineup. That it always is. And uh, I'm getting I'm getting better. I'm getting funnier. That's been every day. And then um, Saturday, two o'clock, Atlas um, Titans of Comedy at Atlas Cafe. It's really great. It's on the street, on the sidewalk. It's super fun. Their sandwiches are great. And Sunday at four o'clock at the bar on Dolores, uh, four dollar IPAs. Also, it's a toy drive. If you bring an unwrapped toy, you get free booze. Uh, but it's a great comedy show at 4 o'clock, the last Sunday of the month at the Bar at Dolores, which is at 29th and Dolores. And they, on all three of those venues are actually part of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival that's going to be October 10th through 16th. You can apply now. Uh, $20 for new applicants, $6 for anybody who's returning from the past five years because it's the sixth annual. And amazingly, we have six venues, uh, seven including Mutiny. But the venues are Asiento, Atlas Cafe, the Bar at Dolores, OMG, El Rio and Milk Bar. Oh, sweet. Oh, yeah. we got a yeah. Milk Bar. Nice. Milk Bar. And also we're going to be doing things here at Mutiny Radio. Podcasts all day with visiting comics from all over the U.S. And their podcasts. Also, we're going to be teaching some master classes. 
uh, Tony Sparks is going to teach a class, um, and all this will be on the radio too, uh, so it'll be podcast as well. But Tony Sparks is going to teach a class on what it's like to be in comedy for over 30 years. <laughs> Lauren Kraut is going to teach a class on using comedy to deal with your mental illness, so using your mental illness and writing jokes about it. Um, and Nina G, hopefully it's it's a it's visible disability visibility month so she might not be able to but if she does she just wrote an incredible book called stutter interrupted and i am on chapter seven right now and it is great it's a great book book. and she's a great comedian too um she's the only stuttering comedian i guess in san francisco female she's the only female stuttering comedian but so she's hopefully gonna take a class go go get her book stutter interrupted the comedian who almost didn't happen by nina g she's amazing and i'm gonna be having there'll be more master classes i'm trying to get um those are just the people who've locked in with me oh and mean dave mean dave is gonna teach a class on comedy before and after sobriety because he's done it both ways that's and so but yeah i'm gonna have all these master classes and then all the people from out of town can learn it's gonna be so neat this year and then so the station will be used in that way and then also for some open mics. But all the shows that are ticketed events are at venues, like real venues. Um, it's going to be great. I'm really excited because I've got money to put on the festival. i just um, so happy. So thank you, State of California, for that grant I finally got. Thank you, State Social of... Social Democratic Socialism. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, that five grand from the state from COVID that I applied for and got it. It's, it's going to make a huge – it means I can do the festival. It means it means that Mutiny Radio can continue to grow, and I'm really happy. So thank you, um, Anna Levinson Foundation and the PPP loan through Lendistry. Thanks, Adam Rubenfeld, for holding my hand through that. Thanks uh, to the California um, grant and C- City of San Francisco for that five grand. I really appreciate yeah. you. I got a small business – Grant. And hey, if you had a moratorium on your business and you didn't pay your rent, I was lucky enough to be able to pay rent here the whole time without a break, so I don't have a balloon payment. But if you do have a balloon payment on your uh, storefront, you can get a zero interest up to a $100,000 loan from San Francisco right now. So London really hooked people up because you don't have to pay interest on it. So she's basically saying, here's the money. Pay it back when you, you can. When you can. With no interest is With a crazy no thing. interest. How rare is that? Yeah, I know. Cause, and so I was like, damn, London, you're she's a killer. Um, she might get reelected for that. Well, That's a great way to. Right? And mean, the, uh, what, what I'm going to do right after this is I'm actually going to go up to the bank and I'm going to cash out because I, I got that $19,800 loan from the small business, uh, so from the government. But I didn't have to use any of it and I just got all this other money, so I'm going to give it back. So I was supposed to start paying on it in August for 30 years, $97 a month for 30 years. Wow. But I don't have to, I don't need the money. So I'm gonna give the money back. So it's like, it never happened. Um, yeah. So no debt. No debt, so I have no debt. Well, and cause I asked, I asked last night, I asked one of the boys, comic boys. I, I thought I would ask Sam cause he was an econ major. And like, he's like, uh, uh, uh. and then, but Jack Ferguson was there. And so Jack was like, give the money back. Yeah, don't. He's like, get rid of, if you don't need debt, don't have it. And I was like, thanks, Jack. That's all I needed to hear. I wanted someone to say, because every other person I've kind of talked to about it, they've hemmed it on and been like, well, maybe you should keep it, kind of. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. I hate debt. It scares me. Yeah, I don't want to owe nobody. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, Jack was, thanks, Jack Ferguson, for the advice I needed to hear, just for reaffirming my thoughts, because I I wanted to give it back, too. I don't want to carry debt. Yeah. Um, So that's the update. 
That's the that's our Alta cast. Uh, although we're under some call me Tim right now, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> if you've enjoyed this history lesson, thank you so much, Sheriff of Truth, for You're bringing welcome. the truth to us today. Like I learned so much, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dive more deeply into the history that we've been covering up. Yeah, there's like actually a lot of books recently that came out about uh, Greenwood and what. Well, Greenwood is excuse me, Tulsa, um, uh, but Wilmington and what happened. Yeah. So I actually want to dig deeper and nerd out even more because there's so much history. Like the thing is, it's going on right now. That's yeah. why they don't want you to know about it. And I love an underdog. Like I, I, I want to hear a cool underdog story right. from like. Straight out of slavery, making businesses, living like, like all, th- I find that amazing because the oppression, the, there's still oppression. And, but back then it was like. You had nothing. Right. I, I mean, you know. and they weren't letting you have it. But so if you could build something, how amazing. But then, and then to have it stolen away, how devastating. And um, maybe someone should make some movies about this kind of stuff, some historical dramas. There's a uh, one already about Rosewood that came out in the '90s because okay. Bing Rings was in that one. That was good. I think um, uh, John Singleton directed that one. So that takes place in Rosewood, California, or California, Rosewood, Florida. Okay. Uh, I think they're working on a Tulsa one. That would be awesome. Yeah, uh, Watchmen, uh, which is no longer on uh, HBO, but the big first se- uh, the first episode digs into Tulsa. Huh. That's one of the reasons why I liked Watchmen. So, which is a Marvel thing, but it was actually pretty good. Well, if they're bringing up, if they're bringing good history. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. learned about Tulsa because of that episode. So, but yeah, good job, Marvel. Yeah. Well, we'll be back next week. We'll and, see what um, happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and uh, I'll get vaccinated tomorrow, I promise. Yay! Yay. She's going to live forever. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be great. Okay, we'll be back next week. I've been Pam. Bye. It's been the Sharp of Truth. Happy coup de
Great stuff, huh? That is the music of Arturo O'Farrell, who wrote that suite entitled Three Afro-Cuban Jazz Moods. They were Kaleidoscopico, Pensativo, y Exuberante. Chico, uh, Chico O'Farrell is the father of that composer there, and he's also on the album. This is credited to Dizzy Gillespie, Y Machito, it is entitled Afro-Cuban Jazz Moods, came out originally on the Pablo label in 1976 and is now available on Fantasy Original Jazz Classics. Chico O'Farrell was the conductor and arranger on that date, which his son produced. We began with Arturo O'Farrell himself at the piano from one of his own albums, 1999, the album called Bloodlines, and he gave us Chinas y Criollas. Well, enough Spanish for the time being. This is The Morning Train. I am J.D. Buell. I thank you for joining me. And this next set begins with a message from David Bowie. Said you took a big trip They said you moved away Happened oh so quietly They say Should've took a picture Something I could keep Buy a little frame Something cheap says hi Said you sailed a big ship Said you sailed away Didn't know the right thing to say Love to get a letter Like to know what's what Hope the weather's good And it's not too hot For you Everyone says hi Everyone says hi Everyone says don't stay in a sad place Where they don't care how you are Everyone says hi If the money's lousy Do 
MutinyRadio.fm in .sf. J.D. Buell with you on the morning train. We began that set with David Bowie and Everyone Says Hi from the album Heathen. After that was Jennifer Glass covering Bruce Springsteen's Bobby Jean, one of the few songs that still makes me cry. That's from a compilation uh, in the 90s, I think, of... uh, Bruce Springsteen covers. And then we went to Elvis Presley Blues, a song recently covered by Tom Jones, who does a very nice version of it, but uh, I wanted people to hear the original, as done by Gillian Welch. Speaking of Elvis Presley, let the king of rock and roll make his appearance finally on the morning train. Sleep each night Wishing I could hold you tight Life seems so empty since You went away The pillow where you lay your head Now holds my empty dreams instead And it keeps right on a hurting Since you go Keeps right on ahead Every 
you say man ain't supposed to cry but when I see you passing by my heart breaks down and cries a million tears the pillow where you lay your head now holds my empty dreams instead and it keeps right on since you go It keeps right on Every minute of the day Every hour you're away I feel so lonely And I can't help it I'm sorry now, girl, but I must leave. There's something deep inside my soul keeps calling me. The winter wind, girl, will not deceive you. And in your cold and empty bed, you'll think of me.
Elvis on the morning train here at MutinyRadio.fm. Two selections from those great recordings he made in 1969 at American Studios in Memphis. Some of the best music the King ever recorded. January and February 1969. You do the math. I don't know how long ago that was. But what we heard was his take on It Keeps Right On a Hurtin', the Johnny Tillotson song, and then a definitive version of You'll Think of Me. Well, how does one follow up from playing Elvis on the radio, which is a pretty cool thing. You know, life must be pretty good if I can be here saying that was Elvis Presley right here on the radio. That's pretty good. So to follow that up, well, where would I go? I would go to a dub version of Suspicious Minds, of course.
the hyphen between African and American is Wyoming. Why? Wishing well steep, Himalaya high, and Grand Canyon deep. Long as rambling road, plantation to ghetto. Long as barcodes on brown flesh. Long as 40 acres and a mule been in the mail. Long as Confederate flags fluttering over southern cities today. The hyphen between African and American is Wyoming wide, wishing well still. Himalaya high and Grand Canyon deep. Long as rambling roads, plantation to ghetto. Long as 56 licks last on Los Angeles streets. Long as lists of white jurors trying black men accused. Long as sentences to San Quentin and Angola fused. Long as the serpentine comma between no justice, no peace. Long as the exclamation point behind hug the police. African and American is Wyoming wide, wishing well steep, Himalaya high, and Grand Canyon deep. Long as rambling roads, plantation to ghetto, long as fight and the Statue of Liberty's crown. Long as the Liberty Bells crack. Long as watch hands waltzing in circles. 